We are in a series called Amazing Stories or Awesome Stories of Jesus, and they're basically all out of the book of John, and they're all stories I really like. And so it was a very, very selfish uh, series. Uh, I'm just picking stuff I like, and, uh, but uh, when you get the next six weeks, you'll hear some people who are talking about what they like and what they're passionate about. It's really cool. This last story... Uh, is one that's very unique because if you opened your Bible and you looked at this particular story, uh, your Bible could have a bunch of different things happening at the same time, depending on your Bible. One uh, Bible might have it all in italics. And you're thinking to yourself, why is everything in italics? One might have it not in italics, but there's a little asterisk and a little footnote. One might have a little section that talks about um, what where we got this story from. Because here's the thing about the story we're going to read. It's not in the earliest manuscripts that we found in the book of, for the book of John. So basically how we got our Bible, the way our Bible was canonized, if you will, is that we, the church has gone through all these documents for all these years. And then there was this, I won't get into the boring part, but there was this council of Nicaea and they, they said, we want these different books. Well, John, the question becomes, which one? Should we do the one with this story or the one without this story? And just like everything else in scripture, the church, the collective big C church decided to keep it in because it was such an important story and it happened. And so they were just trying to figure out uh, uh, where. So I hope that doesn't uh, discredit what you're about to hear because it is a true story <laughs> and it's an awesome story. Let me give you some background. Uh, last week we talked about Nicodemus and Nicodemus was talking about, uh, he said, I think you're from God. And Jesus said, thank you very much. You must be born again. And Nicodemus went, what? Born again? And we talked last week about it completely changing our lives, completely giving our lives over to Christ. And if you've ever, never done that or uh, you always wonder what it's like to just begin that journey with Jesus, I would invite you to download that podcast and listen to it or, or watch the video uh, because it was really, really important stuff. And at the end of the day, Nicodemus was faced with this choice of, of how, how do I get born again? Well, what I, I ended that sermon and I said there were two other times Nicodemus shows up, and this is one of them. We're a few chapters down the road, and the Pharisees are very, very frustrated with Jesus. He's, um, he's getting more followers than them. You have to understand, if you're a rabbi, you have disciples, and you have people you're teaching and training and all that kind of uh, stuff. And so if you're in the temple, you would have your teaching there, and uh, another rabbi, uh, Rabbi Machachek, would have his uh, thing. And then, and then here's Jesus with a whole bunch of people around him, kind of robbing uh, from their churches, if, if you will. And so they're, they're getting frustrated with this. And Jesus is doing uh, miracles, and they're afraid that the, that Rome is going to come and squash them because they're afraid that there's going to be an uprising. So they have this conversation and they're like, how do we essentially kill Jesus? And Nicodemus stands up and he says, do we have something in our law that says we're allowed to just go killing people? And, uh, and they shoot him down. They say, are you from Galilee too? You know, they kind of, you know, are you, do you believe what he believes? You know, you've had that happen to you before. And so that's where we are. And then all of a sudden, we get this story. Uh, it's found in um, 
the book of John, and um, I'll, I'll give you one more little nugget here. Um, they're trying to trap Jesus. It's what I call a gotcha. I, I went online and I looked up. The, gotcha is actually a word. I thought it was slang, but I thought it was just short for got you. But apparently uh, the dictionary has it in there. So, uh, and who's going to argue with the dictionary? But the simple uh, definition is an unexpected problem or usually unpleasant surprise. And we are, as Americans, the masters of the gotcha. We love gotcha. We even have a whole industry of gotcha. And if you have somebody who you don't like, there's nothing that feels so good in your gut than to have them get God, right? So like, if you're on the right side of the political spectrum, you would just love, love, love it when someone on the left gets God. And if you're on the left... Oh, nothing could be better than to get somebody on the right. It just, this is the way we are. And we do this with our celebrities. We'll build them up, build them up, build them up, build them up. And we just wait for them to fail. And then, got you, got you. You were never as important as we kept saying you were. Okay, right? I mean, it's just, we, we love that. We do this with athletes as well. You know, an athlete has a whole bunch of money. And then we find out they're bankrupt. And we're like, ha, got you. Why, how could you be so dumb with your money? I'm really good with mine. Uh, you know, and so we, we just do this all the time. We do it even in small ways. Like, uh, I, I don't know if you're like me, but I like watching fail videos, okay, where somebody is trying to show off and then they, they, they fall down, okay? Okay, that's a, that's a term, that's a, a gotcha. And then you look down and see how many views there were and you're like, ha ha, a million people saw you do that. Got you, okay? We just do that. Well, I mean, I, okay. So, now I'm, I'm guilty of every single one of these. So uh, uh, we'll do it on, our, on each other's uh, social media. We'll, we'll do internal gotchas where we'll see something that, that uh, we expected to see from that person and we shake our head. Man, did you see their Facebook, what they were posting? I did. Did you see what was on the table? I did. Oh, man, it's so terrible. Those are internal gotchas. We get to solidify a preconceived belief that we had on someone. I don't know if you saw this uh, in, a, in one of our newspapers. It just came out. Um, but Hillary failed a secret FBI lie detector test. Uh, <laughs> We've got proof right here. And if you look inside, uh, it's even got the lie detector results. Um, and you can see, like, um, where she failed and uh, what questions they were. Because it's a secret FBI uh, lie detector thing, right? Well, we, we joke about that. That's, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Meg Ryan is dying, I think. So, um, I know. I don't know if it's true or not. But those are easy to dismiss, Right? Because it's the National Enquirer and everybody knows, you know, all this kind of stuff. But we have our own bunches of these. Maybe, maybe they're smarter, they're written well, maybe it leans one way or the other way. Or we have our, the TV shows that we want and we're just waiting for the gotcha. Well, this morning what I want to do is look at a woman who got got and see what Jesus has to say about this fascination human nature has with calling someone out or getting someone or trapping someone or discovering something about someone. John 8, chapter 1. So Nicodemus defends Jesus. Uh, 
Jesus, uh, and, and everyone, it says everyone went to their home, and then we get to this verse, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. So I want you to get this scene because it's the Feast of Tabernacles and we're about at the very last day. Everything builds up. Uh, I don't have time to get into it, uh, but, but at the end, in the, in the temple, there's this court called the Court of Women and they have these uh, lights, all these lights. And um, this is where Jesus, in front of all those lights at that very time, says, stands right in the middle and says, I'm the light of the world. And there's just all these tabernacle lights. It was just really awesome. So there's a lot of stuff going on here with the Feast of Tabernacles. And so when it says that all the people were there and they were all surrounding Jesus, this was a big crowd. This was not just a typical day at the temple. It's all building up. And so if you're a Pharisee and you're used to getting attention and you're used to having people ask you questions. And you're used to teaching and allowing, you know, and, 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 and so that you can kind of feel important. It's crumbling right before your very eyes. They're all sitting around Jesus. And something needs to be done. We gotta get this guy. And so uh, that's where they're at. He sits around. Uh, he sat down to teach them. Here's what the Pharisees do. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So think about this. Matter of fact, if you would, just for a second, think of yourself as, as the woman. Now, just not to get on a soapbox or anything, but the first question you should be asking yourself is, um, well, if my physiology class was correct, shouldn't there be two people caught in adultery? I don't know the logistics of it all, but I think that there should be two. Well, you've just stumbled upon uh, something that's been going on for a very long time with the difference that we see between men and women, the unfair difference of we shame women who are caught in sexual sin, we dismiss Men who are caught in sexual sin, we do it now. We did it all the way back then. And this is what they do. They bring this woman. And watch what they do. Because this is very important. They made her stand before the group. They got her. They made her stand in front of everyone. In her sin. Vulnerable. Shamed. Exposed. And there she stands. They got her. And I could imagine what the people in the group are thinking. Um, you know, they're thinking, what? She was committing adultery? What, what are they going to do? What are they going to do about this? Some of them might have known her and said, oh, yeah, I've been following her Instagram. I knew this was going to happen. You know, it's like, well, whatever. I saw it coming. You know, look at Thursdays. You know, so it's like, it's like, some of them are shaking their heads. Some of them are looking at Jesus like, oh, this is going to be awesome. You know, waving other people over. You got to see this. What's going to happen? All, none of them, I would imagine, were thinking, I am so glad they didn't catch me last week on X. Because we don't do that. We're a shaming people. We, we like the gotcha. And so they're all shaking their head. They're all whatever, thinking their own thoughts. And she's there by herself in front of all of them, in front of Jesus, in front of the leaders. Very, 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 very humiliating. 
And they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the New American Standard, it says, the very act. <laughs> like, they, like they have to get more specific. We, we get it, Pharisees. Thank you. Uh, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now watch what they say. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say, teacher? It looks like you're teaching right now. You've got all these people here. Here's, here's one. Try this one on for size. We'd love to hear your response. Do we stone her or do we not stone her? Now, just hear, hear me and I think the heart of your heavenly father. They are using this woman for their agenda. They're using this woman, a real woman, who was really somebody's daughter, maybe somebody's wife. We don't really know anything about her, only that she's called in the Bible on your heading, the adulterous woman. The story should be called the cowardly adulterous man. That should be the name of the story, who is not in the story, right? But we call it the adulterous woman. This is, the only, this is her identity. We've labeled her. That's what we know about her. And so they, they use her to trap Jesus. Now, I was thinking to myself this week, did I ever use somebody else, whether out loud in my mind, to push some agenda that I have, where I have forgotten that they're human? I've forgotten that she's just a woman. She's not the adulterous woman. She's a woman. And so they say, what do you say, Jesus? You know, figure, come on, we're right here. Look what it says. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now, Jesus has a whole bunch of things he can do right now. He could rain a fireball down and just burn them up. That, he could do that. He could disappear, <laughs> which is what I would do, right? You know, it, it's like he, he can do all sorts of stuff. He can start quoting scripture. But a Bible says he stooped down and he just started writing in the ground. He starts writing something. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now, it's so fun when you want to read different scholars and different opinions that people have. Some think he was writing down the law, the Ten Commandments, okay? And, uh, you know, that's fine. That might, that might be the case. Some think he was writing down laws that those Pharisees actually had made up to make it harder. And so he starts writing those because he knows where he's going uh, with everything. We don't know what he wrote. He, some think he was praying to his heavenly father going, okay, I, I need to hear from you on how we're going to get out of this. Now, I don't know how that works with my theology because he's God and he's man at the same time, but I don't, whatever. Some people believe he was praying. I'm more interested in what he was not doing. I'm more interested in what was his first reflex? What was his first reaction? What, what, what was the first thing he did? He could have told the woman, I'm sorry, but this is why we don't commit adultery, okay? Like, he, he, could have, he could have done that. He could have, I mean, he could have reacted a lot of ways. But he just kneels down. He starts writing, calm, cool, collected. So we don't know what exactly he was writing with his finger. But we know what he wasn't doing. 
So when they kept on questioning him, so here's, here's the thing. You got to, you know, when, as we put it together, he's down there writing and he's just basically not answering and they keep questioning him. Hey, hello, Jesus, right here, woman, adultery, Moses. We had a question. You have an answer? You know, now here's the thing. If it were me, I would have been writing stalling because I would have tried to be thinking up an answer. Oh my good gracious. Like, hold on, I'm just writing something, finishing up an email. I'll get to you in a second. Like, you know, still writing. Uh, I should be done in a couple hours, you know, but uh, that's not Jesus. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up. Oh man. I, there's no pictures of Jesus. Um, I picture him about 6'4". So like, you, you, you know, he might have been 5'2". I don't know, but I just like, I just like a big, tall, strapping Jesus, okay? It just, it, just, it just makes for better scripture, I guess. But he straightens up. And so now there's this confrontation. And I, I'll bet every single eye was on him, except one person, the adulterous woman, because she was downcast. I can almost guarantee it because she was got. She has no business being in front of Jesus. She's caught in her sin. She doesn't deserve to be let go. She deserves to be stoned. So he straightens up and he said to them, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, if you're her, you're probably thinking, ah, you know what? (laughs) That didn't really help me that much, Jesus. Thanks. I don't know if you know the Pharisees very well, but they actually do think they're without sin. And that's why some scholars will think that he was writing in all these different things. Some some believe he was writing the thing they just had done, you know, like uh, last week. You know, we we don't know what he was writing. But here's what we do know. His first reaction... His first gut level thing was not to condemn. It was not to go, oh, it was not to shake his head. And so he says, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then she says, and he means any sin at any time. He, I'm telling you right now, if any of you have ever, ever sinned, ever, that's what he means, right, Jesus? No, she's still uh, downcast. He again stoops down. And wrote on the ground. So he says, hey, if, if anyone hasn't sinned, you go ahead and throw a stone at her. And then he goes back to his email or whatever it was he was doing. <laughs> Just, he didn't, he didn't go on and on. He didn't say, how dare you guys? He didn't do any of this. He, he's just operating in a different mindset. At this, uh, those who heard began to go away. One at a time, the older ones first. That's because they're smarter. Um, No offense. Jesus saw this woman for who she was, a child of God. Now, this might be a stretch, and this might be very offensive or whatever, but I'm telling you right now, our Heavenly Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth, loves, loves Donald Trump. (laughs) The creator of the universe 
loves, loves, loves Hillary Clinton. Loves her. Loves her to death. The creator of the universe loves this woman. The creator of the universe loves fill in the blank. He does. And so Jesus sees this woman for who she really is. Not the adulterous woman. Not the Republican. Not the Democrat. Not the Pokemon Go user that gets hit by a car. Not any of those things. (laughs) You were wondering when the Pokemon Go reference was coming, didn't you? He sees her as valued, as his creation, as one that in just a few more chapters he will be dying for. So how dare I judge her? If the creator of the universe sees her in love, how dare I see her any differently than in love? Let me, I'm going to riff real quick off of a verse that we, we uh, talked a little bit before on, uh, last week when we, were, we had a moment of silence for all the nonsense that's been going on in the country and just all the brokenness and, 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 and people being underserved and all, all just the turmoil and race relations. And so um, one of the verses that I just brought up briefly, I want to look at right here, because I think Jesus, when he got down and he stooped on the ground and he started writing, I think he was modeling for us this verse. And a matter of fact, this verse we're about to see was written by Jesus's half-brother. They had different dads. It was a blended family. Uh, but James, okay? So it was, it was uh, same mom, different dads. It was uh, James, the brother of Jesus. And I, will, I could make a strong case that James was there when they brought the adulterous woman. Everybody was there. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. James 1.19, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now, here's the problem. When you catch someone in adultery or you listen to somebody's speech or you fill in the blank, when we get to get somebody... The reason we do is because it feels like justice. And, and, and we can't just, the, the pushback would be, well, you just can't let everybody do whatever they want, right? <laughs> no. Jesus doesn't need to condemn just because he doesn't condone. Jesus cannot condone what she did and not condone whichever political person you really love or hate, not condone it, but that doesn't mean he's going to condemn it. He's quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We serve a God who has the ability to get you. <laughs> you're like, oh my good gracious, I got to get out of here. Like your, your last sin, fill in the blank, like your last week, think of the greatest sin you had last week, okay? And if you can't think of anything, it's probably pride. But uh, just, uh, just try to think of something, right? And imagine God catches you and starts videotaping, you know, puts, he puts it on his Facebook or whatever, and, and you're God. He has that ability, but he doesn't. Now, sometimes we get caught in stuff we shouldn't be in, and that's the way it goes. But your Heavenly Father does not start with that. I got you. See, I told you. So quick to hear, slow to become angry. Now, why? Why is that? Why does James write this? And this is so key, because if you think the story of this woman 
and the cowardly man uh, is all about letting people off the hook for sin. It is not. Jesus was very clear about sin. As a matter of fact, the first thing he practically utters is repent <laughs> for the kingdom of God is at hand. I mean, he, he, he's constantly talking about uh, living a life that's holy. As a matter of fact, his standards, he went through the law and started making the standards even higher. He, he's very much into holiness. Here's the reason. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Of course God desires righteousness. Of course he desired that that woman didn't do that and that man didn't do that. Of course he desires that we live holy lives. Of course he desires that we get through the things that entrap us and enslave us and ensnare us. Why? Because those things lead to death. And our Heavenly Father knows that. But anger... The lashing out, the gotcha, it doesn't lead to the righteousness that God desires. It doesn't work, even though it feels fantastic, <laughs> even though it feels like it should, that once they're shamed enough, then, then we'll be in good shape. So everyone leaves until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. <laughs> Again, you know me. Sometimes I read a little bit too much in the Bible. But if I were her, and I was brought in front of everybody, my sin exposed, I would be like this, looking down. I would. I'd just be like, I don't, I, you're caught. What are you going to do? You're not going to look people in the eye. It's too shameful. I guess... This is where Jesus was. He's down here writing. I wonder if he was looking up at her. I wonder if Jesus was like, oh, is that where your gaze is going to go? I'm going to get down here. I have no idea. It sounds like Jesus to me. Because here's what he says. The woman's standing there, and then Jesus straightens up again and asks her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. No one's condemned her. Well, that's not necessarily true. That's the whole point of why they caught her. I mean, she's been publicly humiliated. But no one's there to bring justice. I think they all condemned her. But Jesus goes on and says, Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus answered, or declared. Now, again... We can get to the end of this story, and some scholars think it was taken out because um, uh, males who were in control felt like this would allow their wives to go off and have a affair. We don't, we don't know. We don't know. That, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, but the, the, the pushback and the feeling that we all feel is like, but, but you can't just do that. Like, you you can't just do that. We can't go into our prisons and go, hey, guess what? Erase, erase. You know, whatever you did, that didn't really happen. You know, Jesus forgave that woman. You know, off you go. There, there, it doesn't there feel like there's a tension there that, that, man, I don't know. Is Jesus letting them off the hook? Is the, you, can you just sin and get away with it? He says this. Now go... And leave your life of sin. Of course he's not condoning it. 
He doesn't, he's not condoning the sin, but he's not condemning the sinner. He's not judging her and putting a value on her because he's got a certain agenda or a certain thing that he needs to get done. Now, I wonder what it would look like. I wonder what it would look like to be in a church, to be a Christian community that decides we're not going to do gotchas. We're, maybe, maybe you're reading the newspaper and all of a sudden you're like reading and you go, oh, I know, oh, and you just go, you know what? I'm not going to do that. That's my heavenly father, son, or daughter. And this is very difficult because we get into topics that are really important and we all have opinions. But what if, what if we just got into a habit of not getting into that gotcha business? Because I think when we do, we miss the heart of Jesus. I think when we're quick to listen and we go, okay, what is actually happening right now? Why are they acting that way? What is going on? That is somebody's son, somebody's daughter. God loves that person. Why would I get involved? So before we click forward of that email, before we ask the question, hey, did you see what? We just stop and we go, you know what? I'm not going to be in that business. I want to end with uh, one more um, verse, because I think it's in Galatians, and I think this gives us some really clear instruction on how we can uh, go about this. It's Galatians 6, chapter 1. I mean, ch- uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, they're caught. You got them. Immediately post it somewhere. No, uh, okay. When someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should judge that person and point your finger at them. And you who live by the Spirit should shake your head. No, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person to make them whole. That doesn't mean we let it all go and, oh, that's okay, everything's fine. That's not restoration. Restoration oftentimes is very, very difficult. If you've ever restored a car, you don't just slap a coat of paint on it and say, it's fine now. You have to oftentimes go all the way down to bare metal first. And what this, what this assumes is that it's somebody you have a relationship with. So what if this week, and this is what I'm going to try to do this week, the minute I begin to read something, the begin, minute I begin to see something that feels like a gotcha, even if I hope it goes through really well because I don't like that person. If I don't know them, I'm going to stop. Because I can't, I can't do that verse. I can't help restore them. It's impossible for me. I don't even know them. And I m- certainly don't know all the facts of what's going on. What if we started there? Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Now here's the kicker. But watch yourselves... Or you also may be tempted. Do you know that every single one of us is a Pharisee and a woman caught in sexual sin? We're both. We're both. We could, we could go down the line. As a matter of fact, let's do this. Start with your worst sin over there. No, uh, we could go down the line. All of us just going through. We're the, we're the woman. So let's not be the Pharisee. Let's be a people that says, you know what? I'm just going to stop. I'm going to be quick, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Um, 
we're going to take just a little bit of time uh, like we do every week. And um, we do a bunch of things during this time as the worship band comes up. We fill out those connection cards. And like Jean Vier was saying, we want to get one of those from every family, um, uh, especially if you're new, just to welcome you here. Um, but we, we look at those every single week and we see how we can reach out to people, make sure they don't get... Uh, uh, lost in the shuffle. Um, the other thing we do is, uh, this is when we take our offering. Now, a lot of us give online. I wanted to tell you one quick story, too, about giving that was really fun. We got a, a letter in the mail from somebody. It doesn't attend our church. Um, Larry, can you make sure that air conditioner is on? It seems kind of uh, hot in here. Yeah. Um, well, well, either that or my breath smells and you're just trying to get it away from you. I don't know. But... Um, so we, we do a lot in the community, and we got a letter from someone who is essentially shut in, and they needed clothes. They couldn't get out to get clothes, and so they went online, and they did an order and, and sent us a letter and said, can you order these, these clothes for us? And, uh, and so Cece, who's the director of our connections and kind of community stuff, I said, hey, uh, Cece, can we, can we make this happen? And, and so we did. We did it. And he sent us the, I can't play it for you right now because it says his name, but um, he sent us the sweetest uh, voicemail just about how, how he, he was practically in tears. He couldn't believe that a church actually does that. That's because you guys are faithful. And so I, I wish you could see more of the stories of just what, when you, we're faithful in our giving, what it really accomplishes. And so Thank you, thank you, thank you for that opportunity to be able to bless that, uh, that shut-in man. It was really, really cool. But that's what we do. We, we take our offering at this time. And, um, and then, uh, but we, we also have a time of silence, a time of quiet. I mean, uh, Audra will be playing a song, but um, a time to where we can connect. And maybe you want to pick just one area in your life. I've picked mine where I'm just like, I'm not going to engage I'm not, I'm not going to go after it. So it might, be a, it might be a TV channel. It might be a website. It might be the internet. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, where you just say, you know what? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go for gotchas. I'm going to just try to follow Jesus. And so, um, so we do all that during this time. Let me pray for us. And, um, and then after we have that time, I'll come back up and uh, share a blessing. Lord Jesus, we are all guilty. We all would need to leave and not throw stones. Every single one of us. And Lord, we, we all have been caught. And we all love it when others get caught, but we don't want to get caught. <laughs> Lord, we need your grace. We need your mercy. We need you to, to intervene on our behalf. And Lord, help us be the kind of people that don't need to engage. We don't need to get people. We don't need to trap anybody. We just worry about our own life with you. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.